The most uh, disturbing question I've been asked in 10 months of campaigning is by three different business leaders in the state of Alabama who have said, what are you going to do about Matt Hart and the special prosecutions unit uh, if you're elected attorney general? And they've all expressed that they don't like it, that they think it goes after business leaders and that they want it removed. And they said, we'll support you if you if you're going to do that. And I've said, I will not do that. This is Dare to Defend, a campaign podcast with Alice Martin. She's running for attorney general, and we're right there with her. I'm Brett Janik, and this is episode 17, True Intentions. Well, Alice, how's it going? Tell us where you've been over the past week. Well, it, it might be easier to tell you where I haven't been, uh, but the, the state is still as large as it ever was and trying to cover as much as we can. There have been a lot of forums lately, which give an opportunity for candidates to gather uh, with the voters. Uh, I'm happy. Of course, a couple of weeks ago, we won the straw poll at the Wetumpka Tea Party. Of course, tea stands for taxed enough already. Uh, But since then, I've had a forum in South Baldwin uh, County down in Foley, and I won the Tea Party straw poll in Huntsville. And we've been in Enterprise. I've been here in Lauderdale County, which is where I live, uh, being last Saturday, uh, uh, as did um, other counties. And so this week, uh, we are, uh, again, across the board. Last couple of nights ago, we had the Federalist Society uh, was hosted on the Faulkner University campus in Montgomery, uh, the Federalist Society had a debate, and that was very interesting. And uh, last week we were in Lee County, so just been all over the state. Uh, This Saturday, uh, if people are in Montgomery, uh, they're having coffee with the candidates. So I look forward to being in Montgomery from about 10 to 12 noon, uh, and then over to Huntsville for the barbecue Uh, the Whistle Stop Barbecue Festival, and then I'll end the day in UNA at a Derby Day event, which is always a good weekend for me. I met my husband at a Derby Day uh, wedding in Eufaula, Alabama. (laughs) (laughs) You mentioned that you've won some straw polls, but public polling, there doesn't seem to be a ton for the attorney general's race. How do you continue to campaign? How does your campaign react without you know, the benefit of public polling? Do you do internal polling? How how do you kind of react in a race that isn't being polled in a serious, extensive way? Well, actually, it is being polled by various entities. Uh, we learned of a poll that Matrix did, uh, came out with yesterday. They do some polling for various entities in the state. Uh, there was a poll that was reported uh, by one of the newspapers yesterday, Stacy Todd maybe has a, a, a poll that talks about a three-way race. Uh, the Matrix race has us in second, uh, just really close. Uh, and then we've done our own internal polling, which shows within the margin of error that this race will be uh, tight. We should anticipate uh, whomever uh, is one and two that there's going to be a runoff because you've got four candidates uh, vying for those votes. So we are looking at polling, and that doesn't change our message uh, at all. It has always been that I'm running to preserve and defend the Constitution to fight against corruption, and to fight for strong, clear ethics laws to help restore integrity 
and the people's trust in their government officials and then community and children's safety. So so my message won't change. Um, This was a big week for us. Uh, This is um, we're in the first week of May and we just went live on TV. So people will see my ad running on Fox News and on broadcast and hear us on radio. And I hope that will encourage them to go to our website, alicemartin.com, and to learn more. Well, congrats on going up on TV. You know, you're going up on TV with the race kind of coming into the closing stretch. And by the time the podcast goes up, the election will really be just one month away. How is your campaign Mm -hmm. strategy changing? in approaching the last 30 days? Well, the strategy is to reach and speak to as many voters as possible because the polls still show a large number of undecided people. And I don't think they're undecided because they have looked at all four of us and don't know the differences. Uh, I think they're undecided because they haven't started studying the candidates in this race. So it's very important that I reach out to voters and that they understand my background of having the most experience of practicing law of any of the candidates by 10 to 15 years that they understand I have the most experience in prosecution. The only person that has served as a circuit court trial level judge and that I have experience uh, in handling significant federal and state litigation because of my time. You know, Mr. Bedsole is um, he has said that he would need to rely upon career prosecutors Uh, to help run that office because he's never been a prosecutor. He's never represented anybody charged with a crime. He's not a litigator. Uh, He's never had executive experience in leading a government law firm, which, of course, I have over 10 years. Troy King, people are starting. They certainly remember the name, but now they're starting to say, but what did he do? And he was the AG from 2004 until 2010. And the most significant corruption case that came through the office during that time He had to recuse from it uh, because of a favor he was requesting from one of the targets of the investigation. And that was a case that the AG's office uh, was doing in conjunction with my office as U.S. attorney. So I had to act with uh, Richard Minor um, as an acting attorney general after Troy King had to recuse. And the third, you've got Steve Marshall, and people are now becoming more familiar with the fact that he was an elected Democrat. Uh, He didn't switch parties until the beginning of 2012. And I think they're also starting to look at his actions and sitting on the sideline when HB 317 was passed. And, um, <clears throat> you know, that was a BCA. Uh, they were certainly interested in that bill, which now provides that lobbyists, people that are asking things of the legislature uh, and are paid by people called principals, if they call themselves economic developers, now they don't have to register and be held accountable to the ethics law. Um, so it only passed the Senate by one vote, by one vote. Uh, and if everybody that walked off the floor and abstained had voted, uh, then it would have failed. Uh, but I, I think people are looking at how he was very weak on ethics and that, um, you know, he's taken $225,000 already in contributions from BCA. Uh, and that's a tremendous amount of money, more than they're giving in any other race. So uh, that's very curious as to why they are uh, tripling down on this race. Well, speaking of the issues that have come to the forefront of the AG's race recently, I know that uh, the sheriff's food fund issue has been prominent. The topic was certainly at the forefront of the debate that was held last Wednesday at Faulkner University that you mentioned. 
if you would walk our listeners through this issue and maybe draw out some instances of past abuses of, of the current legal situation. Sure. Well, currently there's a very archaic statute on the books that has been interpreted by um, some people to mean that the sheriffs can keep any unspent food monies. And this is because they do have a personal obligation if they were to fall short on funds to uh, personally uh, guarantee that inmates are pay uh, are fed. So a question was posed uh, by a reporter, are those records subject to the Open Records Act? Because there are people that want to know how much money have some sheriffs been able to pocket uh, as a result of that? Because some folks believe that they're not feeding the inmates uh, nutritious meals or not feeding them enough. And I think it came to the forefront because of um, Anna Franklin as a sheriff in Morgan County. And it's been reported that she uh, was able to get about $150,000 uh, in savings uh, from that food fund that she put them into a used car lot. Uh, you know, as a personal investment. And then they've talked about the Etowah sheriff that uh, was able over, I think, a three-year period of time to get enough money uh, savings on the food fund to buy a, I think it was $750,000 or $650,000 beach home. So it's it's caused a lot of people to raise their ears. Now, over the history of the attorney general's office, various attorneys generals have issued opinions as to the proper use of those monies. Uh, I think it was back in 2000, 2001, Bill Pryor did not believe that sheriffs should keep unspent funds, uh, that that funds uh, should still remain a property of the sheriff's department to be used for uh, appropriate uh, expenses. But then Troy King in 2008 uh, issued a attorney general's opinion that the sheriffs could keep the money and use it for their own personal uh, uses. Uh, and then in 2011, uh, General um, Luther Strange said no, that it could be kept, but that it had to be used for future food needs. So I think there's some confusion out there among these AG opinions. And I believe this is a subject that concerns voters and hopefully will be dealt with by the legislature in a legislative fix in 2019. There are a number of counties that have taken over the responsibility of feeding inmates. Uh, it may be as many as 10, 12. Uh, I've seen the list, but don't remember the number. They've already corrected this themselves, but I think folks are looking uh, for this to be corrected by some legislature, uh, legislative change. Well, what role would you play as AG in shepherding such legislation uh, through uh, the Alabama legislature? Would you have any role in advising the legislature about how to craft such legislation? Well, certainly from my time as a chief deputy AG, I know that the attorney general is not a lawmaker. Uh, they're not the ones that are passing the laws. But the statute does say you can serve as an advisor, a legal advisor to the legislature. So if asked... Uh, we would certainly try to help the Legislative Reference Service to draft a law that uh, would live up to the intent of the legislature 
and then also be something that was defensible in court because that is the role of the attorney general to review those uh, laws, uh, those bills that are proposed and to say, listen, uh, this could create a legal challenge. If you change these three, four words, then we're more easily uh, able to defend you in court. Uh, that was something that we do on all bills when I was the um, our legislative uh, liaison uh, as the chief deputy. So we would hold whatever role they wanted us to have in helping uh, to draft that if that was necessary. We've mentioned uh, the debate at Faulkner University and other candidate forums. I know that Troy King was not present at the Faulkner University debate and that he's missed other debates. Alice, how should voters interpret his absences and really an apparent unwillingness to meaningfully engage in these types of public forums? Well, I, you know, it'll be up to each voter how they interpret it. But I personally uh, think it's a great opportunity to meet the voters and to uh, be met by their challenging questions. All four of us have only appeared once, and that was at the Mid-Alabama Republican Club meeting. And so if you're not willing to debate, I think voters will ask why. We already see that in the governor's race. People are asking why, and I think they'll do that in the AG's race. There's a very troubling piece that came out earlier this week from Bill Britt with the Alabama Political Reporter. In the article, uh, he alleges that the sitting attorney general, Steve Marshall, has deliberately undermined the special prosecutions division uh, in his office by withholding funds and refusing to hire new staff. He asserts that Steve Marshall is really waging a war of attrition on his own office. If true, why might Marshall be doing this, Alice? Well, I tell you, the most uh, disturbing question I've been asked in 10 months of campaigning is by three different business leaders in the state of Alabama who have said, what are you going to do about Matt Hart and the special prosecutions unit uh, if you're elected attorney general? To which I've responded, well, what do you mean? And they've all expressed that they don't like it, that they think it goes after business leaders and that they want it removed. And they said, we'll support you if you if you're going to do that. And I've said, I will not do that. When I've answered, what what will I do? I'm going to add to the resources, just like I did when I was the chief deputy attorney general. So just so people know, when I came into the office uh, in 2015, uh, Speaker Mike Hubbard was indicted and that trial was going to begin in a few months. Van Davis was the acting attorney general. And we had two attorneys in the office that were working on that case, and they were really underwater uh, because Hubbard had a, a big legal team. There was a lot of things being filed in court. The attorneys needed to be in court for hearings, uh, but somebody had to be working on the, the briefing responses back in the office, had to get ready for trial, all of those kind of things, organizing the evidence. And so I worked very hard uh, to add uh, four more attorneys to that unit. Uh, to get them the assistance they needed, we added more agents. I hired a retired FBI agent that was a CPA who has a forensic accounting background. And so he could help us in tracking and tracing money, which is always important in these ethics cases. And that unit uh, went up uh, from about uh, 10 or 11 people to 17. 
Uh, now that was the that was the staffing level seventeen when I left that office in March of twenty seventeen, and now just barely a year later that unit is down uh, to eleven, and I think we'll lose another attorney. I know we'll lose another attorney in about uh, a month. So some of it is lost to opportunity. Uh, which is always good. A couple of the attorneys are leaving to go and become assistant United States attorneys. Uh, so that's wonderful. But we've also lost an attorney uh, that was uh, very good at what he did to the Alabama Board of Pardons and Parole. Uh, we've lost agents to other agencies in the state. And the interesting part that folks may not realize, though, um, is if you work for one state agency and another hires you, I was to leave, say, the finance department for the state and go over to the governor's office, you can only be paid $5,000 more in salary. It sort of keeps down poaching unless you take people out of the merit system and then you can pay them more. And that's what's happening. People in other agencies are recognizing the talent of these folks in the special prosecutions unit, and they are leaving and the current attorney general is not willing to uh, pay uh, comparable salaries to keep this talent in there. And so you have this attrition. And I think that's unfortunate because this is uh, different work from what um, others do. And it takes a long time to rebuild this kind of talent. So, you know, if you don't have but one or two lawyers left, uh, it's really hard to make public uh, corruption cases. That's just it. It, it starves you for oxygen. Uh, you need more hands, more feet doing the work. Well, as attorney general, what would your pitch be to recruit back some of this talent that has obviously been lost? Uh, that we are going to be open uh, to the state to do the tough work of enforcement of Alabama's ethics laws. And that this is this is where you can make the best and the biggest difference for the state. It will be an exciting part of your career. And please come back or please join the unit because I recruited those people in and we will recruit other people in. Uh, but this is rewarding work. It's tough work. And uh, that'll be my pitch as it has been and was when I was a U.S. attorney. I've done a lot of recruitment over the years of attorneys in all the various units and you just have to find the people that are passionate and tough. Uh, as I say on the campaign, you not only have to have the background as a good trial lawyer, but you have to have a backbone. You have to realize that people are going to say bad things about you, that they're going to throw mud on that white hat. Uh, you're going to go after uh, the political elite. You're going to go after the wealthy uh, that are usually the ones that are trying to self-promote their product or their contracting company, or whatever, uh, to personally benefit them. And of course, in turn, the the uh, lawmaker or the uh, executive uh, branch member that they are bribing for pay to play. And you've just got to realize that um, we can stand up to them and use the law as the tool to do so. Well, tell, tell me where to send my resume, Alice. <laughs> You'd be a great one. <laughs> well, finally, as we wrap up here today, I'd like to get your perspective on the saga that continues to unfold at the national level uh, with James Comey and the FBI. There's a lot to unpack in the Comey story, but something that I've been struck by is just how fragile our institutions can be when they aren't led by honest, decisive leaders. Do you think that Alabamians are drawn to this story for a similar reason? I think they are. 
and I have really been shocked over the last couple of weeks because I first met James Comey when he was serving as an assistant U.S. attorney in uh, Virginia. He actually started a program there uh, to help reduce gun violence, which then went nationwide and was called Project Safe Neighborhoods. Then, um, then he became the U.S. attorney for New York. And so I worked with him then when I was U.S. attorney in Birmingham. And then he became the deputy attorney general, which is the number two person. And I was still the U.S. attorney. So I worked with him and I held James Comey in very high regard. And I think when he joined the FBI, that career agents were very uh, pleased to have someone of his caliber and reputation there. But I have had a uh, entirely different James Comey uh, presented to me through his own words and his own actions. Uh, and I think it has done irreparable harm to uh, not irreparable harm because the FBI is a, a long storied agency and they will get new leadership and uh, they will turn this page. But uh, I'm just very disappointed. Uh, leaking is not appropriate, uh, even if it's not classified to push something out through someone else so that you can uh, control the narrative. Uh, that's not professional. And uh, I think he would have been very upset if one of his agents had done that or one of his federal prosecutors had done that. And so I find it very upsetting. I find this whole book tour distasteful. Uh, I think he has damaged the reputation not only of himself, but his agency. And that's the problem when our elected or appointed leaders um, start thinking they know what's best and they quit acting in an ethical manner and try to act in a way to influence people's thinking. I, I love the old uh, TV show, and I can't remember the name. Dragnet, uh, just the facts, man, just the facts. You know, uh, so is it Sergeant Friday or Officer Friday, whatever? Uh, you know, that's really what law enforcement and prosecutors should be about. We, we want to know the facts. We want to know and talk to the people that can give us the facts, and we want to stay out of the politics. And he seems to have put himself squarely into the politics uh, realms of this uh, Clinton-Trump mess. On the trail, I'm sure that you hear lots of interest in national political developments, uh, often at the expense of local developments. How do you strike the balance between addressing a citizen's genuine concern that happens to be about a national issue while also trying to draw attention to the issues that are affecting them at the local level and that really you would have more influence in in the position that you're running for? Well, it does occur frequently. I'll say, what are your concerns about Montgomery or what interests you in the AG's race? Because I'm trying to connect with the voter to speak about something that will move them to take action and something that I can say what I've done or will do. And oftentimes the response is, well, I think things are okay in Montgomery, but there's so much corruption. There's such a swamp in DC that we've got to do something to clean that up. And which I usually say, well, I think Trump is, is doing that. Uh, he's on the right road, but let's talk about Alabama because I think Alabama has swamp water as well. And uh, we need to do something about that. And that's something that I can help with. And let me tell you how it impacts you, your tax dollars, the, the fraud, the waste and abuse that occurs in Montgomery. And typically then it's like 
I'd like to know more and we can have a nice conversation. I look forward to talking to you in the coming weeks as we uh, as we push towards June 5th and the primary election. Well, since it's uh, coming up on Derby Day, I feel like that we're on the, the back the back stretch. Well, I feel like I bet on the right horse in uh, <laughs> helping out in this campaign and certainly know that you would do great things for the state of Alabama. So fingers crossed and good luck continuing on the trail. Thank you. Dare to Defend is an 1819 Media production. To learn more about Alice Martin and her campaign for Attorney General, visit her at www.alicemartin.com. I'm Brett Janik, and we'll see you next week from the trail.